0: Okay, welcome to Podcast by Bay. Today is June 4th, if I'm not mistaken. I'm in the beautiful, beautiful town of Half Moon Bay. I have a wonderful opportunity to interview uh, Eric DeBody. Uh He's the Executive Director of Abundant Grace Coastside Workers. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Thank you. We're here to talk about a, abundant Grace Coastside workers and what they do on the coast to help the people that are uh, immigrant workers, uh, homeless people, uh, people that are struggling with financial, uh, maybe some substance abuse too. So uh, welcome. How did you, how Eric, how did you get here? I know you're living here in Half Moon Bay with your wife and your wife's name is Alice Linsmere.
1: Alice Lindsmeyer.
0: Lindsmeyer, okay. Well, welcome. Um, how did your journey from Los Angeles a- end up here in Half Moon Bay? Well, uh, I've been working in the homeless community for a lot of years,
1: and um, we were last living in Ventura County, and the opportunity arose for me to come up here and, uh, and work uh, with the homeless. So we decided to come up here, and my wife worked mostly uh, from home, with the Equitable Food Initiative, and then she travels somewhat to do farm worker leadership trainings, but mostly uh, I work out of the home and she works at home.
0: Well, you know, the mission statement I looked at your website, it says to accompany co-siders experiencing homelessness, low income as they struggle to have a better life with a focus on employment, food, justice, health, skill training, community building, and other support. Can you kind of explain how the program works?
1: So, uh, Abundant Grace has two programs uh, where we take people uh, to do what we consider meaningful work and um, we're trying to both connect people to the larger community through meaningful work like the clean team where we clean the coastal trail and the beach and we try to make Half Moon Bay more beautiful. And the uh, partnership with Potrero Nuevo Farm, about 10 minutes south of town, which we call our Full Circle Food Justice Program. We take people to work on a gorgeous organic farm three days a week. We grow and harvest over 20,000 pounds of fresh organic produce each year, and we distribute it at five sites in Half Moon Bay to low-income families. So we think it's pretty unique, and it just... You know, we didn't plan it, but it just sort of happened that we began to bring people to help out at the farm, and then we raised money to provide a stipend for people. And uh, what we're doing is basically uh, giving folks who are experiencing homelessness an opportunity to work and to be part of a team and to have responsibilities and success. And um, at the same time, they're also helping feed their neighbors in need, which is something that we emphasize a lot, that they're part of a, an important web of relationships in the community that is uh, that means they're contributing to the betterment of their neighbors and the betterment
0: of their community. How many people do you impact, and I also think there's surrounding cities like El Granada, Moss Beach, Pescadero. Tell us, uh, for the audience out there, uh, the community that you impact, and if, if, if I'm correct and I could be inaccurate, I, I, I kind of looked at statistics. I think the coast is between 11 and 14,000 people, somewhere right. around there. I could right. be off. Yeah, that's correct. Um,
1: so the homeless community, we think, is approximately 60 people. That's folks who are camping out, uh, living in cars, couch surfing, and so on. Uh, the, we, we work with about 50 people per year. Uh, in our programs, 50 unique people, and um, probably 30 are a lot of the core homeless that you see out in public and you know panhandling and walking the streets and that sort of thing. So we have a really good relationship with that uh, sector of the community. And um, along with impacting that group, I would say probably up to 4,000 uh, low-income families are impacted by our work through our food distribution at five different sites because we partner with St. Vincent de Paul where we bring produce, the Episcopal Church where we bring produce, the Table of Plenty, dinner on Thursday nights in town where we bring produce, and also we distribute uh, here and at the Lutheran Church.
0: Well, I was impressed when I went on your website and I encourage everybody to go on it. It's www.abundantgracecw.org. Um, it was inspiring to see the pictures and the people that you're impacting. Uh, do you see any common denominator for homelessness? Um, by that, what do you mean? Is it, usually, is it usually a financials thing or is it a substance abuse? What, are, what is a common denominator Is there a, or is there a variety of things? Well, that's always a, an important question and a very difficult
1: question to answer because there are so many very personal reasons that people end up homeless. Uh, they may have to do with childhood trauma, mental health, substance abuse, job loss. You know, there's just there's just a lot of reasons. However, the main reason people are homeless, in my opinion, is a total lack of affordable housing for the last 30 years. There's been a lack of uh, of motive for this country to invest in real affordable housing, which we used to do, and then of course everyone knows about uh, the collapse of the mental health services infrastructure in our state and across the country. So that's the real problem, in my opinion. Um, we we do not invest in real affordable housing for people, and so housing is skyrocketing instead of having some kind of stable lower end. Uh, accessibility for people, and then folks that really do need mental health support have a tremendously difficult time accessing it. Well, I'm glad you
0: bring up the point about mental health. I think the mental health thing has been a struggle throughout the United States, especially in California. I know I can remember the time when, at that time, was our governor, uh, Governor Reagan, took away the, uh, uh, put a lot of the mental illness on the streets, which was Lynette from. Juan Corona and stuff like that and we still haven't recovered from that I think.
1: No we have not and it's it's important to remind everyone that the term homelessness uh, was coined in 1980 and it coincides with the collapse of homelessness and the
0: increasing lack of affordable housing. Let's talk about the transitional housing because you've just brought up some really valid points of of financial, um, uh, mental illness, substance abuse do you have some transitional housing here on the coast? No. You don't have any locations. Do you have to refer them to somewhere over the hill in yeah, 90, off 92? There has not been
1: um, an investment in any kind of shelter structure on the coast. Um, and we have a, a fair amount of affordable housing. Uh, a lot of it is connected to agriculture, so Moon Ridge, Main Street Apartments... Um, senior housing and these are extremely important for a
0: lot of people but there's still it's still not enough why don't we talk a little bit about the housing which I was passionate about that that, and I know you've been passionate I can see it on your website where we have some people undocumented workers or field workers or immigrant workers um, where they have provided uh, and this is off Main Street if I'm not I'm familiar with with the project and, uh, and it's extremely well kept I'm always impressed to Drive by and see how well, or pride of rentership, or pride of one. Tell the audience a little bit about that because you know, the people on the other side of the hill, you're in a little bit of a different environment, even though you're struggling with the same problems that they're struggling with over there on off of uh in San Mateo and San Carlos and Burlingame. So, tell us a little bit about that project because I think that's an outstanding accomplishment,
1: right? The main street, apartments yes,
0: and, and uh, Moonridge, I think. Um, I believe
1: Moonridge was the first farm worker housing project in the state of California. Um, And it was completed with uh, state and federal funding, Uh, and then the main street apartments were developed. Uh, And I think the character you're talking about is attributable to the um, unique kind of small-town character of Half Moon Bay. And um, we did a survey three years ago in Spanish, uh, uh, utilizing a group uh, who we trained um, as community organizers to go out and survey at Moonridge, Main Street Apartments, the trailer parks, um, and uh, throughout Half Moon Bay. And we uncovered that over 65% of the Latino population has lived and worked here for over 10 years, often 20 years and longer. Um, similar jobs, uh, agriculture, hospitality, restaurant, um, housekeeping, gardening, landscaping, that kind of thing. And um, they're uh, they're extremely poor. Uh, over 50% make less than 50,000 a year. And of that number, 50% make less than 25,000 a year. So uh, it's a long-term community. It's not transitory or migratory. Um, They earn very little, and uh, they're stable. Um, And over 50% of them are doubled, tripled, or quadrupled up in housing. So there's a profound lack of housing in this community. Uh, They're responding by helping each other, um But the community, the county, the city need to respond by creating more housing to take the pressure off of that because it's a it's a huge problem. Um, for public health, it's a problem. For education, it's a problem. You know, kids need a quiet, safe place to study. Um, parents need to be able to relax and take care of their family, and not worry about another family that they're sharing space with. And it's just you know it's just not right. right?
0: <laughs> If, if you're in a unique community, because I've been, most of my life spent out in the Bay Area, especially on the coast, there there's always been an anti-development, um, especially with uh, necessity towards housing, because the preservation of the ocean and preservation of the quality of life. In your opinion, um, in an ideal situation, how many units do we need to build on the coast to be able to have... Um, enough housing or affordable housing you know um i think that's something that
1: would need to be studied to make an intelligent assessment so i i am not a housing specialist and but i think we need to look at the population of, of uh, agricultural workers and hospitality workers uh do an assessment of how many people are doubled and tripled up um, to have a real accurate number but my guess is it's probably uh, you know A couple hundred units, a few hundred units for families, Uh, not like one or two bedroom apartments, but like something more substantial for people. And in my opinion, the problem with um, affordable housing like Moonridge or Main Street apartments is that they're rentals. And um, the city and the county should work to create a way for people to have
0: ownership and equity Just like people who buy a house or a condo. Well, I am sure glad you brought that up. And you know, the the, uh, reality, even on the other side of 92 in San Mateo and San Carlos and Burlingame, they're building rental units. Um, And the sad case is I I am a realtor uh, and I am proud to be a realtor. And I'm also uh, proud to say that I work very helpful with the homeless community and affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to build housing. Um, one of the dilemmas, and maybe you're not aware of it, but it is very relevant. In the state of California, a developer can be sued up to 10 years um, for, for um, uh, you might call malpractice or something like that. So a lot of the developers are building high-end rentals. But I think that the crux of the problem is, even if they put them on the market, they're still not affordable. Do you have any idea on how we could partner better uh, with your state and your county, um, or federal government for that matter, to make those more affordable housings? Because I think homeownership lends itself for pride of community. Um.
1: Explain what you need, mean a little more about like what would be the pathways to make that a
0: reality. Well, most of the expense of housing is two things. The cost of the land and the cost of the building. So when a developer, um, most of the developers, uh, there is no set rule in each city on how much they build affordable housing. What we've been doing in the community to so-called camouflage it is we, we don't have to build, we can build rental units or we can build houses for sale. And each city takes it on its own, whether that's going to be 10 for 10% or 15%. But even when you look at those numbers, I'll give you an example. Foster City um, might have an affordable unit that's built for a rental unit. For a one-bedroom apartment, the affordability might be 2200 or 2300 so, if you had a school teacher that might be making 4000 a month or maybe a little bit less, that's 50% of the income. So, is there something that you think we need to partnership better with the cities and counties to pick up some of that uh, high cost and bring it down to a more reasonable level? You mean like a subsidy or something? Yes.
1: Like uh, absolutely. I mean, you have to figure out a way to control pricing. Um, or provide supports for people to meet the, the uh, cost of housing if they're not going to get paid enough, you know? Part part of the problem is, you know, living these living wage arguments that we have, $15 an hour, that's not enough for anybody, you know? Um, it's just not enough for people. So we need to recognize that the long-term goals of a vibrant community uh, circle around... Um, living wage, health, um, housing and quality of housing and those sorts of metrics and come up with a way to limit greed, to to talk more about the problem of greed in our culture and uh, encourage people to share more and uh, and have some required sharing, which is, taxation of people
0: who are making, uh, you know, over 300000 a year, for example. Well, you know, I'm glad you bring that up because I'm a little more um, open to your suggestion. I I think our tax problem, too, part of it is is that we tax too much of the lower-income people. Oh, totally, totally. Um, so totally. we have less disposable income for housing and food and shelter. So I think that... Wealthy the
1: ta- corporations are not taxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... And all the, all the rest of us making less than 100000 a year pay a much larger percentage of the taxes. It's been very well documented. Um, and that's the problem. There are too many tax loopholes for uh, the wealthy and for corporations, and, and that would be a very uh, direct, efficient
0: fix. Well, you know, I'm going to jump out of the box a little bit and talk a little bit because you've been really uh, passionate about the homelessness and stuff. San Mateo County, uh, last year in January, uh, did a study on the homelessness. Um, I'm not necessarily in agreement that that was the best way to collect the data, but they did it. They took 400 volunteers, and they basically, in January of 2019, came out saying there was around 1,512 individuals categorized as homeless. Right. Um, They also came up with a statistic saying saying that there was a little bit of a decline of people sleeping in tents and sleeping on the streets, but they said there was some 127% increase uh, in people living in RVs. Now, the RVs we have to categorize are not necessarily, some people put it pretty poor. It could be a college student. Uh, it could be a variety of reasons why they're living in it. We have an example of a, of a place right off one one in Woodside road where currently the city of Redwood city is struggling. It's kind of an RV camp. They're struggling with giving them, uh, uh a 30 day permit. They renew their license. W- what is your thinking? Um, and I, I also, when I talk about the RV, I want to compliment, um, an assemblyman, uh, Mark Berman, that was trying to see for homeless college students using their ability to park in the parking lot. I think he got shut down. But do we need to kind of look at some ideas like that? So, yes and no. This
1: is where um, good politicians can be very helpful because the public discourse needs to focus on the quality of life in a community And not look at RVs as the enemy but as our neighbor and as our neighbors how are we going to create pathways towards more permanent housing Um, in an emergency like for college students parking on campus that really seems like a very uh, direct smart positive policy and I was disappointed that Mark Berman's efforts uh, didn't Come to success. But um, really, people in the community need to talk about neighbors and RVs and how we're going to create a way for people to have adequate housing. Um, we don't need to make it illegal to park on the street in an RV or that sort of thing. We need to have relationships with people to help them get through. Like, look, see that woman right there in the van yes she uh she she's part of our employment programming regularly um she's in her 60s i believe um and uh she'd love to be able to be in an apartment or a house but she does not have the resources she's she's got some health issues um she doesn't have any savings anymore she lives in the in the van it's an old van She's had some repairs in the last few years just to keep it running. Somebody ran into her in the back of the van uh, just this year and caused some damage, which set her back. You know, what do you? Is she a a horrible person? No, she's a very she's a very kind, caring person. Um, She's just trying to make it, but she doesn't have any resources. So how do we? how do we have like case managers from social service agencies work with her to sign her up for housing voucher to get her into a place it's a long process and often it's not successful so uh, but the community needs to view her not as an enemy but as an asset as a neighbor right and um, if we don't want RVs on the streets we need to get to know her and figure out what she needs to move into a place. And that might mean that the city and the county need to work together to create more affordable housing, long-term planning, and then gradually start um, processing people through the application process so that they can get housing.
0: You know, we were talking earlier a few minutes ago about the, the minimum wage Yes. What do you think is in in in, in my analysis? Uh, I came up with a figure, but I'm curious what your figure is in an hourly rate. What do you need to make to live, let's say in Half Moon Bay? How much money do you think per hour you need to to afford that one bedroom apartment? Is that twenty dollars an hour? Uh, twenty five?
1: Probably forty dollars. Forty
0: dollars an hour. An hour. <laughs> I think you know. Yeah. I, mean, I
1: don't make that much, but uh, you know, my wife and I both work. Um, We spend almost all of our money every month, you know, just to to make it. We have two kids, we live simply, Um, you know, it is not easy, and a lot of people make more than $40 an hour, and uh, they don't have these worries, anxieties, and concerns, but we need to cultivate a public sense of the common good and compassion. For those who are struggling with those concerns, so that as a community we make a better decision. We don't just, we don't just look at people in vans or camped out and go, well, thank God it's not me, you know. Um, but to really develop a sense of empathy, and um, and then action based on that.
0: You know, I. We're re- we're going through the process of the census right now. Uh, San Mateo County is at approximately seven hundred and seventy thousand people. I did a little mathematical thing, and I don't. I think it's off. Um, if if we look at the amount of people they're saying in San Mateo County are only fifteen hundred people, I'm scratching my head. I don't believe it. Um, I think it's substantially higher than that. And I think these are maybe people sleeping on a couch or uh, maybe they're sleeping in their car. So do you have any idea on the many years that you've worked in the homelessness on on what you feel might be the homeless population? Because you would think, if I did the math, that's less than a a half of a 1% of of nothing even though it's a substantial amount of people i think the 1500 people approximately that the county came with is not even close what's your opinion uh,
1: so my sense and mostly it's from working uh, collegially with other um, executive directors of social service agencies and and people that are in this line of work who are who are focused more broadly um, on the reality is that that's fairly accurate. It may be a little higher. I don't think it's profoundly uh, off. Um, we do have a much smaller population of folks who are homeless than San Francisco and other areas. We, um, we have a good record in this county of providing housing and shelter even if it's transitional to families with children. And uh, so a lot of the folks who are out on the streets are single or couples. And uh, I think it's an important number to, to throw out and say it's 1,500. It's not that hard to solve, right? Come on, if it's 1,500, let's get 1,500 units and house our neighbors who are living outside. This is unacceptable. You know, It's been our reality since 1980. It's not permanent. It doesn't have to be our reality today. So how are we going to create that housing
0: Now, abundance, how, where are you getting your funds from? Where, how are they coming in? Are they donations? Are they from the county? Are they from the city? So um, we've, let's see,
1: a lot of our donations are from individuals who send a check for $25, 50 100 $200 dollars. We have um, a smaller pool of folks who donate one to five thousand dollars occasionally. We also receive funds from foundations like the Silicon Valley Community Foundation, the Sand Hill Foundation, the Episcopal Impact Fund, the Ishiyama Foundation, and so on. And um, foundations, uh, we're really excited about that. We have, you know, we haven't. Um, really pursued larger foundation grants until the last um, two years. As we've grown and we've purchased uh, property here in Half Moon Bay to create a workforce development center, we need to raise more money to continue the operations and grow and develop the services that we provide for people. Um, So that's where a lot of our funding comes. When we purchase this building, the city assisted us with a $300,000 uh, no interest loan that doesn't have to be repaid as long as we keep doing our operations here. The county did the same thing and um, Don Horsley, with our who's our supervisor, was uh, immediately supportive and um, uh, we've had tremendous support from the city staff, from our mayor. From uh, our city manager and deputy city manager, it's just been really, really great. So that's helped make it happen. If we didn't have that support, we wouldn't have been able to purchase this building. You know.
0: Um, well, it's a very comfortable setting. you we're right off, off the highway. We can we're close to everything. You're close to downtown Main Street. Uh, and Kelly's a really great location. So you got a superb opportunity here, location. Um, can you give us one moment, you know, when you first came into this position on the, on the job, a touching moment uh, that inspired you that you made the right decision to come to this wonderful, abundant grace, co-site location? Oh, let's see.
1: So, um, one of the reasons that we do our job readiness programming and take people to work of the COSI clean team or the farm is because we want people to have um, an experience of being in relationship with a larger community and to see themselves as kind of reweaving that web, right? That gets broken down uh, through homelessness and substance abuse and mental health struggles. So if we can create some supports and create experiences that, require people to plan to show up, to be ready to work, um, and then to make plans for their future, right? And start to have more hope and more ability to achieve those hopes and dreams that they have, then we're seeing really good outcomes. So there's a guy here who's from Half Moon Bay and uh, he's divorced. Uh, homeless and his uh, wife and kids live um, about an hour away and um, I remember working with him at the farm and talking uh, about like the upcoming week and he was telling me I really want to come on Monday and Thursday next week I'm saving money because my daughter's turning 15 and I need gas money to go see her and money for a present and I thought to myself it's a it's a very trivial thing in some ways it's a very normal thing for any dad, but it's an extraordinary thing for somebody who's been camping out in the bushes and they're slowly, you know, moving forward with their life and, and trying to make their life better and their relationship with their family better. This guy is planning the future, he's planning how to work, he's, he's really considerate about his daughter and his wife, and I was very impressed, you know, that's the kind of movement we want to see, it's subtle. Um, It's interior in some ways for people,
0: right? But it's really important. Well, Eric, you're talking about love. And that's what you're talking about, giving to humanity and giving back to the community. Well, I think you picked the right location. And, you know, I did a little more research and even when we started interviewing you today, I I was on your website and I I saw um, a saying from Sonia Renee Taylor. And I think it kind of, I'm glad I picked it because I think it, Tells a lot about you and the organization you work for. It said, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all humanity and nature. So known, Sonia Renee Taylor. On behalf of Podcast by the Bay, Eric, I want to thank you and I want to encourage you to keep the fight up.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. You can contact us by email at podcast by the bay at gmail.com podcast by the bay is a production of bay city communications and is sponsored by liberty realty liberty realty serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com all material and content is property of podcast by the bay but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcasts by the Bay as our handle, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast by the Bay. And remember, you can listen to any of our episodes, anytime, on any podcast site. Until next time, stay tuned.